Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I'm your host, Adam Glass, and with me this week, special guest host and co-host of his own podcast and producer of said podcast, the Scene on Screen podcast, Sean Robinson. What's up? How are you, man? Good. How are you? Thank you for joining us this week. Oh, no worries. Uh, I'm going to do my best to try and fill in for the legend of Tyler. The legend? Oh, man. I don't know if you're allowed to come on again if you're going to call him a legend. Well, I just got to gas him up a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's the whole thing, right? Uh, Okay, so Sean is on this week. Uh, One reason is Tyler unfortunately couldn't record this week, and I didn't want to miss a week. Uh, We are a little late in dropping the podcast this week, but that just happens sometimes. Uh, Another reason I wanted Sean on this podcast is we are both Leaf fans, uh, and things haven't been great in Leafland. But before we get to that, which will probably be an extended conversation, uh, we are going to do the usual fantasy weeks uh, and give out our poo-poo performers and super-duper stars. So, Sean, last week in fantasy, I'm in three leagues, uh, and I had the big old 0 for 3 last week. Uh, Sounds like my fantasy football this year. Holy. Not great. Very, uh, it, it affects me in a way that I don't like <laughs> physically, mentally. It's just, you go from a week of going three and oh, where you're like, yeah, this is the year in every pool. It's going to finally happen. We're going to get that triple gold or something. And then you lose three weeks and it's like, oh man. And it was just, some of it was just bad management. That's the worst part. I sat, th- I sat a goalie win in every single pool, um, just through bad, like not paying attention to my, who was starting and all that kind of stuff. Um, Because so many split starters and stuff in the NHL now, it's really hard to keep track. Yeah, I uh, I had a a rough week in, in goal as well. It, the problem I had was the one quality start that I would have had, I missed. <laughs> and I own a Leaf tandem. And Ooh. the Leafs decided they just didn't want to play <laughs> in California. So it was a, it was a tough week, but... Uh, yeah, when you're, especially where, so I guess for podcast listeners, me and Sean are both in the big pool together. Uh, me and Tyler are in points and auction together. Sean is not in either of those pools, but he is in the big pool with me, which Tyler is not in. Uh, so that's an interesting perspective. So we're both kind of talking about the big pool here. Uh, me and Sean did make a big trade last year, which I did talk about on this podcast where I got Freddie Anderson and Petrangelo off of him and Keller went back and I think some picks and yeah, you are solely responsible for me essentially acquiring Brandon Rust, and I believe I flipped an asset in our deal to get Kadri and Barkov. That's all right. Yeah, so that that was like the big move of last year's pool, I think. Uh, uh, two years ago when I started, and I remember Tyler and you talking about this <laughs> after the draft, I made the most controversial trade ever. And a lot of people had a lot of mixed feelings about it. But the reasoning behind it is I was part of the expansion era for the the big pool. And I got saddled with pick number two. So in a three-team expansion draft, and for whatever reason, the rules were snake draft, I got... Can I swear? Oh, you can definitely swear. Oh, I got fucked, man. So it goes pick one, two, three, four... And then I get the next one pick, and then every team got to do a double pick after me. And like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like it didn't, I even tried to negotiate, being like, look, if you're going to give me pick number two, at least give me the lottery pick out of all of them to try and like recoup my assets. But I built a, an okay team that was designed to, to lose, and I, I traded what? 
It's like Kessel, Patrangelo, or no, Pacioretty, and like a few other assets for Kucherov, who sat on my bench for an entire year. Yeah. And then last year, I was kind of sick of it and packaged it with a little bit that you gave me. Um, I, I gave you Keller. Yeah. You, you gave me Keller, and you gave me like one or two picks, and I used that pick with Kucherov to get Barkov and Kadri and another first. And uh, shout out to that manager who I, I hooked up because I fleeced him by accident. <laughs> After night for like a fifth round pick who I turned into gold again this year. So I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay in the dealing department. People aren't going to want to deal with me after this podcast airs, but. I, I have had troubles given the fact that I've been in this pool for uh, of over a decade. Um, it's And there are people that have also been in the pool for that long. It is sometimes difficult to make trades, um, especially if you fleece somebody before, which I've done to a few different people. I've also been fleeced before, so the, it the happens. Guy, like myself and that manager joke around a ton because we're in baseball, football, and hockey together. Yeah. And every once in a while, one of us will win a deal and the other one will lose it. Be like, hey, do you want to like loosen your price because you know you helped me out on that last one, but you totally fucked me on the one before. <laughs> and we we make probably one deal a season in every pool, so it's it's pretty funny. We we have a good relationship. It's good. Yeah, there are a lot of, uh, especially in the big pool, um, there have been accusations over the years of people getting trades in the hockey pool because of things that happened in other pools. Yeah. And it's always been controversial because it's like, well, we're not all in those pools, so that feels like kind of an unfair advantage. I've I've heard of this. I would never actually cross contaminate or cross collude pools just gets too messy man too too messy i have a hard enough time remembering the fact that i traded a pick for next year's draft (laughs) (laughs) like you know what i mean yeah like unless it's in a message board i have no idea if i sent a future somewhere oh i remember when yahoo finally added draft picks period like the ability to trade draft picks and it was such a relief because i was think still commissioner then and i was having to like manually track all that stuff and it was just not fun yeah, I wouldn't want to be commissioner of a pool like this, especially after everything that's gone down, which you guys have highly documented. So <laughs> what what am I doing with my fantasy pool today? Or like, what do you need from me? What, do you, what, what What's the okay. requirement? So we're going to do our poo-poo performers and our super-duper stars for a fantasy team last week. Um, I will do my poo-poo performer first. He's going to be from points pool. Uh, and he has had it like this could be a whole season long one. He could have been my poo-poo every single week. That is Mr. Sam Reinhardt. Uh, who had one assist and was a minus two last week. At least his assist was on the power play, I guess. But this guy's absolutely snake bit. He had nine shots, no goals. Um, he has, like, I think one goal on the season, if not zero. He had 33 goals last year and 60-some-odd points. He was just a monster. And it's really a bummer because I kept him over Valerie Nikushkin, who was absolutely on fire. But thankfully, I got to draft him in that pool, so it lessened it. But I also kept him over Kadri. So been tough kadri has been a blessing for me he's been a he's been an absolute stud um i'm gonna have to go with a a tougher one because he's a kid but i had a rough week with my boy mason mctavish uh zeros all the way across the board minus three five shots five or six hits that's not good (laughs) like he he actually was my third highest hitter last week which is also kind of an issue (laughs) but i gotta say the surprising pick for me right now is Nick Ritchie. Grab this guy off waivers after he scored on the Leafs. And this guy has been absolutely phenomenal for my fantasy team. 
Makes no sense. He's Nick Ritchie. It'll, uh, they got to play somebody. They're a classic. They have to play somebody team right now. And they're just playing him. And it's just for whatever reason is working. If it keeps up, great. But like if he even breaks 50 points this year, that is absolute massive found gold in that pool for you. Well, how, how many hits do you think he had last week? If it's over, uh, I don't even know how much ice time he has right now. But let's just say he had 10 last week. So a little bit lower. He had seven. The highest player on my team at eight. So what else? So how many games? Would that be like two or three games he's averaging, basically? Yeah. He's like, you're right. Somebody has to play there. Somebody has to score. And like, it's weird having two Yotes on my team, especially, well, one's Clayton Keller. And I don't think he's long for the desert. I have a feeling he's going to get dealt next. I, uh, let's see here. I'm looking at my fantasy team from the previous week. Uh, Marcus Foligno had 11 hits and only played like one or two games, I think, because he got hurt. And then it's just everybody. So I've specifically in that this year in two in auction pool and in this pool hits hits are a thing that are kind of new still to me and weren't something I really paid attention to. And this year I specifically made sure that I was only drafting guys that were going to be getting shots and hits. If that was my like tiebreaker for anything. It was like, oh, I think these guys are going to get around the same amount of points. Does he hit? Does he get more shots? That's where it's so almost every guy on my team gets hits. Like even Matthews is hitting right now. He had six hits last week. Well, he's got to do something. Oh, yeah. 20 shots, six hits. Yeah. Like Snake Bitten won't go forever. Now, let me ask you something about your, your fantasy team. Because mm-hmm. like I, I love shooting the shit with you about fantasy. We all had, what, 10, 12 picks in the draft? I think it's all the same for everybody. We it's all the same. 10. So it's 10. It's 10 yeah. rounds for that one. Where was your best value pick? If you were to look at the first four weeks, what was that found piece of gold that you got? Like I'm looking at my draft for the, the 10 players I took and I've dropped one already. I've traded one and one is sitting on my NA. So like I have seven out of 10 players still playing for my team. Um, one I dropped because he had a shit week and I had to pull somebody off the IR uh, in Jared Spurgeon, which some people were confused about, but like he's a very hit or miss player, in my opinion. Um, and Kalen Addison has taken over there on the power play one, so. Yeah, like what, when you're putting up no points in a, uh, like a 5-1 win, I think that's a problem. And when you're minus, standing in front, standing in front of and causing Marc-Andre Fleury to miss the puck, that's another problem. Like you have Morgan Riley on your team, and that's the same problem right now. Yeah. Um, when you look at like I, I threw away my second overall pick, mainly because it was auto drafted, but I got something out of it. Like Varlamov, <laughs> I didn't need. But like there was also nobody out there that would take it. I think I dealt him to you, right? You did, because I have Sorokin and I wanted Varlamov in that draft, and I was so mad he went that high. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's a piece of advice for all you Yahoo users. Uh, don't log in on your phone and build a queue and then try and log in on the computer because your queue will just draft whatever it thinks is necessary. And I didn't even have Varlamov high. I just stacked a bunch of goalies in there to keep an eye. But uh, the reason I'm asking you is because I, I have a piece of found gold and I'm curious to if you had one from your draft. So I sold a lot of picks last year, so I was pretty late late heavy. Um, and I this guy is my second leading guy in total points this season and i got him in the last round uh third overall in the 10th and that is kevin hayes 
the first line center for the Philadelphia Flyers. Who is probably going to get a hat trick tonight? Because of course. Uh, so that I, is probably my best pick of the draft as far as value goes, and the fact that Couturier is basically out for the season now uh, makes it ten times better. Like he's one goal, nine assists, plus one, four power play points, twenty-one shots on goal, and five hits. My eight to nine picks were probably my best ones of the draft. And I say that because Brian Rust and Tyson Berry should be slam dunks. And they are. Like, you have Tyson Berry playing on the power play with Connor McDavid. He's going to get points. Yeah. Brian Rust plays with Sidney Crosby. Going to get points. But uh, I made the mistake last year of taking Nicholas Robertson over Michael Bunting. And Mm. I paid for it. But this year, I took Robertson with my ninth, and I think he'll stick around 40, 50 points, hopefully, if we're lucky. But there's also a moron coaching the team, which we'll talk about later. Um, I'm sorry. He's not necessarily a bad coach, but he's not thinking. But my found money of the draft was Stuart Skinner. 100%. Oh, yeah. I think... Now, Leaf fans, I'm sorry, but Jack Campbell wasn't good. He was never the he was never a five million dollar goalie in my opinion, and when he left on the non tampering tampering um, trip to the Oilers, I wasn't overly sad. But watching Stuart Skinner play, it's kind of like that situation in Florida from last year, which is slowly developing into a tug of war for the net, right? Yeah, I as a Bob owner in two pools, but thankfully a Knight owner in one of them. Uh, that's really, and it's totally, it's messing up my, uh, that's why I'm missing starts in pools too, is because I have Bob in and they're not confirming till late and it's really getting on my nerves. Yeah. It's so weird what they're doing in Florida. eh? It's like, uh, I, I hate to quote, um, the Steve Dangle podcast, but Steve brought up a very good point when it came to how, um, the Leafs were trying to prepare for that game against Anaheim. It was like game seven tactics where you mm. would dress all 23 players and then throw out a lineup. The Florida Panthers seem to be not issuing like their goalie starts until like late in the day. Yeah. Which is wild. And like Edmonton started doing that too. I thought for sure Stuart Skinner was starting one night. And I'm glad he didn't because they got fucking shelled. But I lost a win from Bennington, and I lost. Oh, and he's, I, I think, he, sorry, he's not getting a lot of those this year either. Uh, he's actually not doing terrible. Well, the like, Blues are overall being aren't great right now. Binner has three wins, a goal against a three twenty eight. Yeah. Save percentage eight eight two. Yeah, that's that's not good in a cats league. Yeah, but he's still, I think he's still doing better than, what's his face? Um, wow. Billy Huso. Oh, well, yeah, probably. Well, yeah, maybe now. Detroit's kind of fallen off a bit after a hot start. They bet on the right horse. Like, I think Bennington will, like, even out over time, so. You're not going to get any Bennington love on this podcast, sorry. Yeah. Why? Is it because he likes to fake air punch people, or? No, he was just me and Tyler both don't like him. <laughs> He's Cam Ward 2.0. Fair. Uh, okay, we haven't done our Super Duper Stars yet. Oh, shit. I'm supposed to do that, right? Okay. So I will do mine first, and that's Yoel Erickson Eck, who had four points, was a plus five. 
12 face-off or 12 shots on goal, 34 face-off wins, six hits, three blocks. Not sure why he didn't have any power play points. I have to look into that. Uh, I was honest. I'm, I'm going to go with my layup here. Uh, the guy people were trying to buy super low off me even two weeks ago, Brandon Hagel, has finally decided he's going to play Tampa Bay hockey. And I got to be honest with you, that's a pretty good week. Four points plus three, 14 shots on goals and five hits. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, I am a Ross Colton owner in Big Pool purely because of his categories. And he'll chip in the points here and there, but he's hit shots and hits every night. Never putting up zeros which is ideal. He's a, I, I like having Hagel. I, I don't know. He, I think he's going to be kind of a, a good depth piece for, for that, that Tampa Bay team who has an embarrassment of riches to begin with. So, well, Tampa is a team that somehow always is fighting a long-term injury to a really good player. So a team like that, if they end up pushing him up into a top six spot or he gets on that power play for some reason, then it's like gravy season. I'd agree. Wholeheartedly, I'd agree. Okay, so we had our first fantasy roast submission of the year, um, and Sean thankfully agreed to do it with me here. Um, it's going to be a little awkward because it is our commissioner of the big pools team, um, but we probably don't care. I'm also playing him this week, and he's in first place in the pool, so let's make this as, like, first of all, um, his goaltending is going to fall apart. This is not, this is a mirage here. I, like, Saros might get better, but Carter Hart, there's no way he's going to... Like, what are his stats this year? Let me see, because it's uh, going to be ridiculous. Five games, 15 goals against 2.1. He's got a 9.43. Like, come on. But he's also got pixie dust from John Tortorella. Everybody knows John Tortorella can, like, sprinkle this fairy dust on goaltenders and just make it work. Sure, but there's no way he goes 9.4. Like, he could, I could see him going 9.15, maybe 9.20. But, like, if he's in the conversation for the Vezina this year, that would be insane. Considering he was ass last year, absolutely. Now, I got to I gotta tell you, Adam, I don't want to do this. Because I chirped openly in our, in our pools group chat, and now I'm being fucking destroyed this week. <laughs> because somebody made a joke about my Leaf tandem, and I was like, ah, if I remember correctly, I'm still undefeated. And I'm about to get, like, defeated, defeated. <laughs> so, like... I, I'm already looking at the week as a write-off. If I can't pick it up by Thursday, there's no way I'm doing waiver claims for Friday and Saturday. It's, it's like it's just not worth it. Yeah, it's not. So let 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 the roasting begin. I like your team. It's so good. Wow! Uh, wow! <laughs> so he has to... actually like I will say like as a guy who perpetually has struggled in fantasy hockey for years, he has done an okay job. Like I don't know what what he has figured out. But he has somehow figured out how to actually put a decent team together. What has he figured out? He has a Bruin and a Smurf that is doing well. Well, yeah, Pasternak's on fire. Marty Nietzsche is finally having that breakout that everybody expected for years and finally came. So he's really gliding on that. Like, he has Cole Caulfield, who he constantly brags about how good he is. But, like, I doubt he breaks. What do you think? Okay, let's go over under Cole Caulfield goals this year, 36 and a half. Is that a, a legitimate betting line? No, I just made it up in my head based on what I think would be an interesting line. <laughs> well, he's at seven with like 10 games played. If I were to put my hard-earned money on it, 36 yeah, but... is fairly 
believable, but I think he will regress because just like every other like goal scorer that's come through the league, especially ones that have played for Montreal, teams adjust fairly well to the Montreal Canadiens. And it's just, I, I think unless you're an Austin Matthews, Steven Samkos, where you're going to get goals in the dirty areas and the clean areas. Caulfield's also like 150 pounds. So That's the, yeah. Well, like what, what is he going to do when people start bodying him more? He's going to slow down. He's going to regress 36. I'm going to take your under. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was my point. I was, it's not necessarily for me based talent right now. It's more based on his age and his body type in the NHL. Like he's, I think, with his size injuries are going to happen at least while he's younger a little bit here and there. I'm like, if he gets caught in the wrong way from the wrong person, like he's going to get laid out. Yeah. He is scoring at like a 70 point pace, which does put him at a 30 40. Actually, no, that, that can't be right. Cause he has three assists. So he is like scoring actually at like a 50 goal or a 50 point pace. So he could be like a 30, 20 guy. He could be like the line. Remember Line A's first year? It was like 40 goals and like 20 assists or something like that. I just think as soon as the more Caulfield is successful and the more the Canadians are winning and like they have the same record as like Toronto and uh, I want to say Florida right now. I I haven't looked uh, today, but the more Montreal is successful, that is bad for business. They need to be bad, and they're mm-hmm. going to move Gallagher. They're going to move a bunch of little pieces. I can't see him scoring at this clip with a cast that is being removed. Like, what is their top line right now? Well, it'd be him, Suzuki, and I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Is it Sean Monahan who's playing on that top line? Uh, maybe, yeah. Let's see. Daily face-off. Jonathan Druin, maybe? Line combos. This is great. Um, somebody screwed. Rob is currently screaming at this podcast. Um, because Oh, then he would love the scene on screen podcast where we do uh, lookups all the time. There we go. Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc, according to this. And like Kirby Doc? Sure. Okay. Let's continue to roast this. And then I will go back because I would love to go through the Montreal roster and be like, who will not be here in six months? Um <laughs> Because why not? It's fun. Uh, well, he, he does have Vlad Nemestikov for some reason, who only has three points and is a minus three. Yo, he's, uh, he and plays 13 minutes no a night. He has Tyler Sagan, who plays center. That's three. And Hendricks Lapierre hasn't played a game. So he's got Anton Lindell. He has four goals from his centers. Oh, yeah, because Barzal hasn't scored yet. He, well, he could he could use a guy like Matthews, right? Who scores so many goals from center? Matthews is gonna pop. It'll happen. Oh yeah, he'll get fifty and sixty or something like that. Where I think Line only has one goal this year, so that definitely hurts him. Yeah, Line is also more of a pretender than he is a contender. I think that was a. I don't think he's gonna do forty a, a many times. He's probably gonna be about a thirty goal scorer, and that's okay. That's fine. Uh, Ken Johnson's actually having a pretty decent season, but I'll be interested to see what happens with like how many what's he have for games now? Is he officially staying up? Oh yeah. One Ken Johnson was the guy I wanted at desperately nine. at fourth overall. And I ended up scrambling and take 
I took Rust. Or no, I took him fifth or sixth overall, I think. But I Ken Johnson Ken was Johnson the only on guy. my list down in the lineup. I was so he went way earlier than I was expecting. I kind of knew once he was being hyped up after like Columbus's um, offseason, kind of where he was going to be. And like a lot of magazines had him in like rookie of the year conversation. Like he's got a very similar rookie year to how like the Red Wing kids started, um, even bunting last year. And he's shooting. And that's super important. And he's taking the pressure off your boy lining. Um, where I think the Lions are exceeding in our league, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think he has the deepest wings in the league. Like every single one of his wings shows up and plays. Yeah, that's probably his main strength, depending on how hard and sorrows play, I guess. But like just having two stud. Two stud goalies in this league can take you far. Yeah, it's hard to roast the first place team. Players I would not want any part of is Tyler Sagan. You should really deal him to want a buck because he's desperate for scoring. <laughs> um, but realistically speaking, like it's it's hard to rip on your team. Like you're sitting on Paterka. Are you hoping that he has like a breakout rookie season? Sure. I would I would move Barzal. Yeah, Barzal is kind of a big hole in your lineup. Yeah, he's putting a lot of assists up, and that's going to help you win some weeks. But you're also like, man, are all your games close? I haven't actually looked at this enough because you have three players with ten plus assists. That's it, and everybody else is just pedestrianly at four or five. Maybe we're just we should we're roasting the wrong thing. Your team needs scoring badly. <laughs> You're not going to beat teams later on in the in the season when players start getting hot and comfortable. Like you're lucky right now, Adam doesn't have Matthew shooting the lights out, and you're <laughs> not playing McDavid, who's apparently getting three goals a game and is going to win every piece of hardware this year. But it's also ten games in. Three goals in ten games isn't bad for a lot of players. So, man, it's hard to roast a good team. Yeah, it's tough, but we appreciate him sending it in. Uh... Please, uh, maybe we'll circle back on a team later when regression happens. And Yeah, like, we'll I mean, there goes. are better defensemen out there than some of them that are on your roster. I like Tony D'Angelo a lot, but I'm not a huge fan of Marcus Peterson. Samuel Girard is kind of like the fourth fiddle in, Col- or in Colorado most of the time. Forsling's but, having a good year because Ekblad got hurt. Yeah, but... That's it. You also only have four defensemen. The rest of your depth is all forwards. And this is why your wingers are so crazy. The fact that you have in tonight on date of recording Fiala, Verhage, Caulfield, Konechny, Pasternak, and Paterka, and your bench is sitting with Sagan, Johnson, Nijas, and Line. Bro. The, the roast isn't that your team is bad. Your depth is insane. He needs to move Nemestinikov drop him for a defenseman, and then he needs to move a winger for a center. Yeah. That's or what I would do. play Sagan in the in the C spot and not play him in the wing. Let's or punt, punt Carter Hart now, sell high on Carter Hart now. He could, but that's also like goalies in our league are have the dumbest value. Like it's, Oh, they have insane value in that it pool. It makes no sense. Like... If I'm out of a playoff spot, that Leaf Tandem will be sold for like 12 first round picks. I will be rich until 2030. <laughs> um, uh, 
Yeah, you'll definitely probably get something decent for it, I bet. Current defenseman in better situations than his team right now, Michael Stone in Calgary. Um, Sousi. I've never been able to say his name in Seattle. Susie. I even like Alexander Romanov and what he's bringing to the table over in uh, in New York. Like, yeah, he doesn't have goals, but he's just hitting people like he's some sort of freight train. Yeah, he's good for hits for sure. He definitely bangs. But he's also got 18 shots on goal, so it's not like he's not trying. Even as Radko Gudis out there, he usually puts up some peripherals. He's usually always available. Yeah, the best player with underlying numbers for me anyways, and like it's been somebody who's on my list, is I always keep an eye on Oli Mata. He doesn't always have like the most beautiful seasons, but he seems to know how to get them points. He's like a, a little bit of an assist monster. Every once in a while. Plus, Detroit needs people who fires a puck on it. I want Dougie Hamilton to get hurt so I can pick up John Marino. That's just selfish. I know. So, <laughs> Dougie, Dougie Hamilton needs, like, a good season. Not, oh, he's not on any of my teams. I don't need him to have a good season. Well, I mean, when you're fighting for and, like, desperate for depth, <laughs> it, it's super tough. Like, look at what's happening with the Maple Leafs and their defensive depth. Like if you were just praying for injuries there for, for our players, like what's, does anybody own Lilligren right now? Probably not. No, he doesn't. Sandine was drafted in the last round in big pool. And that actually has turned out to be decent value because he's hitting like crazy for some reason. Yeah. Lilligren's owned by a team. Oh really? Yeah. I'll give you one guess as to what team owns them. <laughs> It's it's so grossly predictable. Also, it's one nothing Philly. So good, uh, perfect. Love to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really love to see it. Love to see it. Was it uh, I can't wait to not watch that game. Uh, Farabee from Konechny and Sanheim, real time goal. There we go. Wow. All right. How, what, how is Pontus Holmberg not made the difference tonight? Uh, well. Well, we might as well just talk about the lease now because we're yeah, on. Let, so. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, sorry. Sorry, Brent. Your team sucks. It's terrible. You yeah. should trade you me everything. It won't end in first place. There's no way. You might as well start selling now. Do you predict when it comes to the roster, Rose, where they'll end up? No, we can do that, though, if you want. Based on his team, if his wingers stay the way they are, he will be a lower half playoff team. I would I would put him as a bubble playoff team once everything sorts out. I say he finishes seventh. Yeah, and seventh or take, eighth. Then he takes out a team in the first round. Well, it won't be hopefully me. Yeah, who knows? I I think seven is fairly feasible. If he if he improves his center depth or his D depth, he might be okay. And maybe you're onto something. Maybe he should deal Hart and get some pieces that'll make his life easier. But then he also just, like, he's also sitting on Saros, which is a great goaltender. Just because you're dealing hard doesn't mean you can't get a goalie back. You might be able to find somebody that sees it as an upgrade for a goalie that you see that's struggling right now, but actually long-term has better prospects. Who knows? Like, Philly's not going to be good. Like, regardless of what Tortorella does there, like, they're not going to be a good team for probably three or four years minimum. I would like, say two, two, three. Yeah, like, but I their prospect they're... pool isn't good either. Well, that's because they neglected a lot of their prospects. Yeah, but so what are they well, going to have? Like, Oh, I don't know. 
now a lot of teams out there that I see in two to three years looking a lot better than they are now. And one of them is not Philly. Like I see Philly borderline looking worse. Like they need to bottom out for two or three years. Man, I wish cap friendly was easier to read. <laughs> just looking for Philadelphia. I want it in English or no, no. It's just like when you're looking for your team's logo, it's always tough. Oh, uh... Um, okay, so players beyond this year for Philly, because I guess we're doing this now, too. Holy shit, they're in trouble. Oh, dude, it's not good, because they thought they were going to be good. And then even Tortorella's like, oh, I didn't know until I got here that we need to rebuild. And it's like, really? Like, did you never watch the team? Wow. So players under contract below the age of 30 on their forward core is like six. Connecting Faraby, Layton, who's 28, or Lawton, sorry. Uh, Owen Tippett, who's going to be destroyed by the Flyers. Um, Kiefer Bellows, not bad. Waiver claim. Do what you can, I guess. Noah Cates, ELC, he should go sit in the minors. Don't don't hurt yourself. Fuck. Yeah, this team is bad. Really like, bad. Morgan Frost hasn't panned out, though he's still only 23, but still... Like, Farabee and Konechny, you could argue, are the only decent forwards that aren't super old on, that are worth keeping around, I guess. But to me, those are guys that I'm looking at, like, trading for sure, because they're both on reasonable contracts, and they're young. Like, I'm tearing this thing down. There's nothing I'm keeping on this roster. There's not one player on here that I think is worth keeping long-term. Maybe Carter Hart, but, like, who knows? He's probably not going to be good by the time you need to be good. Oh, and that Travis Sanheim contract is disgustingly gross. It's fine for him if he was on a team that was good. But yeah, like I mean, for him to just be on this team with that contract, it's pointless for them. Like, why would they have done that? He's signed until he's 34 at six and a quarter. Like, That's... they should have dealt him. They had a year. They should have moved like that. Like, they should have burned it down. Everything goes. What do you want? Come get it. Proveroff, gone. Like, Ristolainen gone, D'Angelo gone, like, anything that'll move, bye. How are you going to move Ristolainen when he's been terrible? Then you don't move you, him. You can't you move everybody. You traded for him and gave him $5 million. Yeah, I didn't think, well, if you listen to this podcast, you would know my thoughts on him and that trade. <laughs> and the I contract. do listen to the podcast. Uh, that was the, dumb. The, All is, parts uh, of that were dumb. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Okay, Philly, you suck. Let's not talk that about you that. suck and you're not going to get better anytime soon. I hate to say it. Like you, like I, ugh. could Sean Couturier should just just be like, you know, how do I have to get this money but not play? Like he's got, oh my god, look how many years he has left. Man, and their most talented two players are like, they're 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 broken. Like Ryan Ellis on paper. Like if he was Ryan Ellis of Ryan Ellis, awesome. He might but not he's play not. again. Yeah, like, and he's going to Chris Pronger. He's not going to retire. He's just going to friggin' chill, get paid by the Flyers, and move on with his life. Well, he'll just show up every training camp, fail his physicals, and then go home. Yeah, I mean, Mark Savard, David Clarkson, Stefan Robida, apparently. And the next two years are talked about as two of the deepest drafts that we've had in decades, if not a generation, and they have no second-round pick in either of the next two drafts. But <laughs> Philly, if they were smart, which they're not, should be sucking hard for Bedard. This this team, like obviously they're not 
they're not equipped like Chicago or Arizona to just fucking suck. And I ho- I think they were just hoping that Carter Hart wouldn't be great. But my God, this team would look electric with Bedard. That would be where you'd start your rebuild on this team. Well, he'll restart any like any team he goes to. It changes everything about that. Like he is a game changer, franchise changer, and there legitimately might be a few of those in this year's draft. I'm very hopeful that he does not end up on the following three teams: uh, Montreal Canadiens, Montreal Canadiens, and the Montreal Canadiens. I would not like to see him in Chicago because Chicago okay. doesn't deserve any. Agree. I'm cool and with that. I would like to see Arizona just disappear. I want them to go to Quebec so badly. Or Texas. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Arizona, you're done. You What's your done. idea? What if he has to, like, you, you're like, okay, I get to put him here. Where would you put him? The Vancouver Canucks. Why, why would you do that to them? They need to tear it down. Yeah, for it two would reasons. all of a sudden be like, oh, we're good. Let's go. For two reasons. One, I think it would be absolutely hilarious because they like came into this season thinking they were going to be awesome. And they were like, oh, six and one to start the season. Two, and this is a little bit more selfish and hilarious, is I would love Vancouver to be like, this is how you deal with a first round pick to Seattle, who is just destroying Shane Wright's career before it even starts. So... Vancouver for me, I think is the worst Canadian team now by a country mile. And like Ottawa is going to have its wards. I would really like to not see Bedard in Ottawa or Montreal and hilariously be funny as hell. If Toronto like somehow bottomed out and we got Bedard and Matthews be so stupid. It's not possible, not possible, but it'd be hilarious. Can you imagine missing the playoffs by one game, entering the lottery and somehow getting it rigged? So you get Bedard. Oh, hilarious are we talking about the crosby year again or i mean that was not rigged i'm winking at wink wink um <laughs> yeah like for me i think that if i were to go one american team and one canadian team i would say the vancouver connects for hilarity purposes i think would be so fun to get bedard and it would just be franchise changing in a way that they could move on from some of their the guys who they thought were going to change the dynamic of the franchise and make it a little bit better. But you'd also still have to deal with those boat anchors of contracts that they have with like OEL and Miller. And um, I think Besser's contract is okay. Pedersen. Yeah. Well, they need to re-sign Bo Horvat. They gave Miller that awful deal, obviously. Yeah. Because Bruce Boudreaux really wanted to keep him. No, they didn't. He didn't. Oh, man, it's so messed up over there. Like, Rutherford's talking like he didn't even realize Bruce Bourgeois was on a two-year deal as a coach. Like, it's all. They're trying to have a good time over there. That's all. It is really cool that Rutherford's the one doing all the talking, but he's not actually the GM. (laughs) For, For your American listeners, what team do I think would be the most fun? If we have any American listeners, let us know. Connor Bedard doesn't belong in Arizona. He doesn't belong in Buffalo. Him with Zegris and McTavish, though, would be fucking cool. To me, San Jose or Anaheim are the ones I would pick. Yeah, San Jose I'm done with, too. They they, they kind of don't deal with players properly. And Yeah, but they have a good market for hot. Like, they have good fans, though, and I want to reward an actual decent fan base. Yeah, but I just They like show up. If you're looking at it as like a a marketable thing, I think the Ducks are 
what the NHL likes to market right now. They're hip, they're cool, they're trendy, well, they're colorful. Yeah, put Zegers on the cover of what NHL 23 or whatever, right? Yeah, but they also put Sarah Nurse, and yeah. that did really well in Canada. So, I, uh, I haven't played those games in forever, but are you playing the new one? I am, on and off. It's, is it, it's okay. Is it is it fine? <laughs> I like I like doing the stick dive because now you can swing at the puck in the air or like while it's down on the ground, so that's cool. Uh, what is your favorite hockey game? Do you have a favorite of all time? Like, oh, this is my, like, whatever NHL hits 03 or something. Do you remember the NHL three-on-three arcade game that came out before it was, like, a, a staple to the NHL franchise? Like the one on PlayStation or whatever? Like the download-only thing? Yeah, it was, like, that's where the power puck came from. And My brother that. played that so much that I basically played it once and never played it again. Because he smoked me, like, 24 to 1. And I was like, this isn't fun. It, Yeah, like, with the, the, the golden goals and all that stuff. Oh, he that was, was smoking. It was embarrassing. He was scoring at will. I couldn't even get the puck. The, uh, the NHL game that sits in my brain forever, I believe, is NHL 2000. With the opening that had garbages push it. Oh, right. And, like, the puck was, like, on fire, and it came out of the, the sky and the old barn. And, like, mm-hmm. oh, when video games had cool intros. Uh, this isn't my favorite hockey game, but this is one fond memory I have of early hockey games is it would have been 96. would have been 96, 97, or 98. I can't remember. Maybe 99 even on the PC. They had one thing where it was a mass gallery, and you could go into it, and it would have it had a 3D version of every goalie mask in the league that you could look at and it was so friggin cool because you never saw that stuff back then like you could go in there and see Cujo's mask and just like rotate it around and look at it from all angles and stuff and it was like really high quality that's sick I like that that was cool so you want to talk the the maple leaves right well I don't want to but I feel like in the years that I've done this podcast I've literally been forced to talk about them and it's never been good like Matthews has won a heart like Matthews literally won the heart trophy last year the first time in my whole life and I think a leaf has ever been nominated since Gilmore and like you could argue maybe McDavid or whatever but silly led the league in goals he scored 60 and it's never what we're talking about we're always talking about them fucking losing all the time this year seems to be like phenomenally different in how they're losing they're losing in ways that i didn't think was possible well they're they're, below like they're blowing leads and the analytics like a lot of times at this time of the year they'll be like oh well they're not winning but like they're getting their their pdo isn't great right now so they do have some luck coming back like matthew's shooting percentage has been brutal all that kind of stuff they're not scoring at five on five but like the vibes if you will around this team right now are not good um, speaking of the Maple Leafs, Matthews with his fourth goal and Tavares with his fifth goal. Oh, 2-1 Leafs now? Yeah. Well, good. Those are the guys that need to score. Like, that's what needs to happen. Matthews is going to score in bunches, and it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to rock people's world. Um, okay, so what is your least – who is your least favorite Leaf right now? On this team right now? Like, who do you hate with a, like, fiery – Oh, I don't know. That's not Justin Holt. Because that guy sucks. No, I don't have an opinion on him. My brother hates him enough for everybody in the world, I think. Um, I honestly, I don't really have that kind of like visceral dislike for players anymore. Um, I, I'm more of the opposite. Like there are guys on this roster that I could do, but like, I don't know, man. I just, 
there's so many things with this team that that happened that were out of their control you could argue like the cap not going up like i know that's a big thing that people say you shouldn't be but it is true like those those contracts that he signed all matthews marner and nylander he they were projecting the cap to go up and it did not go up and if the cap would have went up all the issues they're having in the bottom of their lineup probably wouldn't be there as much because they would have been able to re- to actually have some money down there and they can't right now but right now let me just answer your question kerfoot is the guy that i hate the le- most because of his cap hit to what he does on the ice yeah he's like the most interesting he's, he's 100%, army man of nothing yeah yeah exactly he's a useful player and he's fine but he makes mistakes at crucial times he's not a useful center which is something they desperately need right now he can't swing into center it just doesn't work they've tried it over and over again but he's not good enough offensively and he's not good enough defense like He's just the $3.5 million guy on the roster that I don't think we need. Like, to me, that was the Yarn Croc signing was like, oh, this is our replacement for what Kerfoot brings. I think, well, you're, I don't think you're wrong, but I also think the Maple Leafs had a few trades that were lined up near the end of the offseason and they didn't pull the triggers on them because people like Lilligren were magically hurt and people people weren't ready, you know? And like the Sandine delay, but I think I think you're bang on. I think Yarncroft was the replacement for Kerfoot, and I think he actually does Kerfoot's job better. Kerfoot's problem is he's younger, and sometimes youth is better. Like the end of that Yarncroft deal is gonna suck, but it it's, is it's but variable. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> um, my my biggest two problems with the Maple Leafs is this is it this year. You have going into next season, you have five, six forwards under contract, and you have four defensemen. And that's not good enough at all. I guess you have five defensemen with um Muzzin. Six he's Lilligren as well. Like let's just assume Muzzin's not coming back next year, which might actually be a reasonable assumption at this point, I, it sounds like. I'm fairly certain that we're probably not going to see Muzzin again till the playoffs where he'll get hurt again. And that's uh, going to be unfortunate. If they're able to shake out, like if they know that for sure that he won't be back at, let's just say best case scenario playoffs. Um, and that gives them an extra 4 million to play with. That actually does matter. That actually matters a lot. <laughs> it gives them actually another 5.6 million. Yeah. But they got to bring Lilligan Brad because they were over the cap. Remember? True, but so their LTIR is like ten million. Murray's got to come back. So, so they have twelve million dollars of IR money to like play with right now. But like that's the big argument that I don't know if you listen to it, but the Leafs Report podcast with Myrtle and Siegel, um, that's the only Leaf podcast I listen to because those guys legitimately follow and cover the team as their job. So I listen to them and I listen to Dangle like podcast because I think it's nice to have a fan perspective. Yeah, where like they're they're just really frustrated, but yeah. Um, but the problem is like you can't afford to waste any cap space, and they signed a goalie who always gets hurt, and he got hurt, and they have a defenseman who they're probably paying too much right now who always gets hurt, and he's hurt. So now they have like you said, like twelve million dollars in cap space that they can't afford not to have that they can't use right now, and it's just dead weight, and they don't have. Like, all their guys in the minors, they have a pretty decent minor system, and there are some guys down there that could be players, but they're not probably going to be ready this year, and some of them might not even be ready next year. 
I liked Abruzzese last year. I thought he looked decent. And I think if Holmberg doesn't, um, if he doesn't pan out the way I think they want him to, I think you might see Abruzzese sooner rather than later. But I also don't subscribe to the notion that Matthew Nyes is going to be the answer when um, Harvard season it. Or, yeah, he's Harvard, right? Not yeah. Minnesota. So, like, uh, when, yeah. he's one of the two. But when their season ends, I don't think that he's going to be the guy that's going to save the franchise. I think I don't I don't know what Keith is thinking right now. Obviously, like it, I don't know if he's lost the room, but I lost a little respect for him this morning when he said he was okay with Marner's temper tantrum. No, you fucking smash a stick off my bench. Your ass is grass for the rest of that game. You can't you can't scratch a ten million dollar player. Well, he did bench him. He got benched in that game for like two shifts. Yeah, but still, it's still Marner. He like leads. He usually leads in ice time. Yeah, but if I'm sending a message to a star player, even if we're down a goal or we're tied, I'm sitting him. But like, is he the guy that you send those? Maybe he's just not one of those guys that you can send messages like that to. You can't because he's part of the reason that Babcock got fired. Oh, he's well. He's one of the reasons for sure. Okay, so let, let me like because we can complain about them nonstop. So like I, I want to ask you like more fundamental questions because you do a hockey podcast and I host a video game and TV podcast, so I don't get to do this very often. <laughs> when it comes to extensions, we're gonna pretend Dubis gets extended because I'm fairly certain it would be a mistake to fire Dubis. I think Dubis would get a job like that. No questions asked, and who's going to take over? Who is ready to be a GM of the Maple Leafs? Nobody. So, Barry, Barry Trotz, according to the rumors that I've been seeing, which is yeah, he's going to be GM and coach. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, fuck off with that. Come on. I think Barry Trotz could be the answer if they go on a massive skid, because what else are you going to do? But you can't still pay Babcock this season, Keith this season, and next season, and Barry Trotz. Doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Well, the Leafs can pay anyone, but like honestly, like I don't, yeah, I don't want to get into the whole coach thing, but like Trotz is the only quote unquote answer, but I don't think the coach is the problem. No, he is not. And I, I, I truthfully, sorry, Leaf truthers or don't want to hear this. I don't think Matthews is the problem. I think he's snake bit, but he starts every season slow. I also do not think Tavares is the problem. And you all know what you got into with Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley is a fantastic offensive defenseman who has defensive holes. You know that. I know that. We all know that. That's why we're paying him under seven or under $8 million to put up points. That's what we're paying him for. We're not paying for him to like stop pucks. That's the other guy's jobs and the goalies. Where Dubas fucked up is Nicholas Obekubel, Zach Aston Reese, keeping Wayne Simmons, signing Clifford to an extension, not moving Muzzin when you had the opportunity to move him because there was deals reported that were out there. Matt Murray is the biggest problem that they made. But they also signed Sam Sonoff, who you could argue has actually been as like has actually been good. Well, Adam, have you ever found five dollars while you were out? I wish that would like. Have you ever found a five dollar bill like once in your life? Maybe once. Or a twenty. Are you are you making the uh, broken clock is right twice a day uh, debate? No, I'm making the debate that Washington accidentally dropped five dollars out of their wallet. 
Oh, the the Sam Sonoff non-qualify was the most insane part of the offseason for me. It blew my mind. I couldn't and believe it. Sam Sonoff will be the future goaltender of this this franchise. He will be. I honestly believe that they will sign him to a multi-year deal this offseason if he is even remote. Like, if he even does what he's doing right, he just needs to be like a 905, 910 goalie all year, and I would give him a multi-year deal. (laughs) He's going to get three to five years at four and a half million dollars. Oh, that's too much. No way. I'd give him three by three, and I'd be like, buddy, what do you want? You Nobody wanted you last year, and look what we did. Nope. He's a 25-year-old goalie who's going to – he's not a free agent. His qualifying offer at the rate he's playing right now is going to be only about 2.4. So you offer him three, three and a half by five. You buy out extra years of his unrestricted free agency and you just do it. Yeah, I'm getting him for less than four. I'm not giving him anything over like three, seven. I think they do sign him. Um, But if you will, we can badmouth Kyle Dubas all you want. But the one thing he did manage to do is if you'll notice, they have so much money free when Matthews needs to be signed and Nylander. Like they have nobody. They could give those guys whatever they want, which is ideal. This is, I have two burning questions for you that I've been dying all day to ask. So question number one, you're Kyle Dubas. Now you just offered Austin 13% or 14% of your cap, which is roughly $14 million right now. Yeah. You know, the cap's going up, so that doesn't matter. And the cap might go up mid season because Gary Bettman showed his hand kind of weirdly, but you have to choose between one of Matthew's best friends on the team or a Nylander extension. Who are you extending for longer, Bunting or Nylander? I mean. <laughs> now, no, not just the like the quality of player, but like if you want to keep your star happy. You, you realize that Bunting is older than Nylander, right? 100%. And I also understand that the rumor out there is like he might Nylander had... 80, like Nylander legitimately can score without anyone. Bunting can't. Bunting, you're right, Bunting can't. But Bunting I also is think... is another, like he's a Zach Hyman. He's a, like whatever, like he's one of those, a Gallagher. Like he's one of those types. Like he's not a guy, like to me, well, like what's Bunting grew up in Toronto. He's from Toronto. He wanted to play for this team. This is a guy that you have to lowball. You have to give him years, but like you give him three million a season for like seven years or something dumb, and I think that's what's going to happen. That one hundred percent. That's what I was going to say. I think his ceiling's about three point five. Yep. But it's going to be dependent on six to eight years. I and would. Like I he's would, what twenty like, eight. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, Michael twenty seven. No, so probably be twenty eight by the time the season. Like by the time he signs his contract, he will be twenty eight. That's that's super affordable, and you know what that does. That gives you another player like Yarn Grogue that you can move up and down the lineup. My problem with William Nylander is he's going to command $9 million. I can't give him over eight. I just couldn't. That's because his controller turns off mid-shift. I've never once seen a player so fucking lazy. I love hockey. I've watched hockey my entire life. I also played hockey. I also play other sports. If my coach ever saw me dog it because something was out of reach and I just stopped skating, my ass would be stapled to a bench or the sideline. And that's the way it would work. And like I watch William Nylander, I'm like, my God, this guy's so talented. He can generate offense like no other player. He might actually have the best shot on the team. Matthew says he does. But like if you watch it, he does. But. The best shot on the team also can hit a six by four. And that's Matthews. 
Nylander misses the net four or five times a game and like high and wide and hits like somehow manages to hit the corner and the puck goes out the other way and causes odd man rushes. <laughs> like it's unbelievable. I don't know. Morgan Morgan Riley is the classic. Oh, he ripped one from the blue line and now the puck's gone the other way and he's too deep. That's because he learned from Dion Phaneuf. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just true. the way it went. If I were a betting man, which I am, I think Nylander is the domino that drops on this team. Nylander, oh. Kerfoot, Hall. And I know you hate that. We've talked I would, about it before. Uh, Nylander getting traded will be such a bummer to me. I'll it be will, so disappointed. It will be. But I also do believe that they might have some pieces within the farm, plus other things you could possibly acquire that could help them with goal scoring that might be a little bit less expensive and also a little bit more responsible on the back end of the puck. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, as much as Marner's been absolute ass, both play 200-foot hockey. Except the other night, Marner did not play 200-foot hockey. Nylander plays 100-foot hockey. I... Okay, I know we have to go. It's after eight. We've yeah, done... I'm, I'm, I'm good whenever you want to kill it. But yeah, we saying... both have other things to do, unfortunately, tonight. So we got to. But I'm just going to leave it with one one maybe final thought for me. This is what I was thinking when we were talking about this going into the podcast. What was one move I would be making if I was Cal Dubas right now? I would be taking my first round pick. I would be taking one of my prospect defensemen. And I would be taking Nick Robertson. And I would be out there shopping for the best right-hand defenseman I could find that is a puck mover and a ideally somebody that can play defense. That's not what I'm Jacob doing. Chikrin. I'm going all in. It's not Chikrin. It's maybe like Klingberg offers the, like, he might be the option, but I'm not giving that up for him. You can't, because you can't give up two years of cost control for three player or two players and a first-round pick. At some point, you have to give shit up to go all in on a year. And you actually go after a fish. He's like, there has not been one trade deadline where you could argue the least got the biggest guy or even the top three biggest guy on the market that would help them. It hasn't happened yet. He hasn't dropped and grabbed somebody huge. At the, it's been bullshit like Felino and all this garbage that he like grabbed for hitting and shit that people are like, oh, you need grit on the bottom. And that's crap. It doesn't work like that. Uh, I would like to see them go after like a Jasper Bratt or a, a Severson. Dear but, Lord, if the Devils move Jesper Brother, freaking, they need to, to give him whatever he asked for right now and just walk away. So to counter it, I wish Dubas had a time machine, could go back in time and swallow his pride and take the Nyes deal that he had last year, where he was going to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury, who would have resigned here, according to multiple people, but you would add Brandon Hagel for a lot cheaper. You wouldn't have to do this yarn crock thing. You wouldn't have had to keep Kerfoot. You could have moved on for some things. You would have had Flurry caught like under a more reasonable deal, probably for a year or two. But the key was Brandon Hagel's deal and he didn't want to give up Matthew Nyes. And you could have also gotten rid of Mrazic without dropping six picks in the draft. That's my uh, two cents. All right. Well, uh, I can't wait to come back and argue more because I want to. <laughs> I can't wait for Tyler to hear that you think that the solution to all the least problems was Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> uh, no, I never said that. I just said I would have jumped. To, that, that Did you not hear me say the biggest part of that deal was uh, Brandon Hagel? Brandon Hagel. Okay, sorry. Brandon Hagel and Marc-Andre Fleury would have won the cup for them last year. What, what does that guy make right now? What does he make? He makes... 
I can't even see it. Is he injured? Hagel? I th- I don't know. Brandon Hagel. Oh, he, 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 two more years at $1.5 million. It's a good contract, but... It's a great contract, and you could have got rid of Kerfoot. Could have. And, Tyler, I tried my best to antagonize Adam, and it didn't work. I also uh, just don't like William Nylander. I never have. That's slander. I don't even know if I can have you on this podcast who bring that kind of Willie Nylander slander. It's William Nee slander. Uh, Nylander slander. Not Okay, do you want to plug your podcast before we leave today? Sure. Um, if I'm welcome back, of course. Um, my name's Sean. Obviously, you guys heard me all night. I'm the, one of the hosts of the Scene on Screen podcast, found on YouTube, or not YouTube yet, uh, but Spotify, Instagram, iTunes, any podcatcher, really. The cool thing about us is we talk about video games, movies, TV, and whatever else is seen on a screen. Cool. All right. Thanks, Sean, again for joining us this week. And that has been the podcast for this week. We will talk to you next week. Later.